Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for another episode of The Review. And this week, we're going to take a look at the Tales from the Loop starter set. And this is from Free League Press. Uh, We are big fans of Free League here in general. And I am being joined today by first-time reviewer, Jimmy Logan. Jimmy Logan is a long-term kind of friend of the show. We've been friends on Twitter for years. Uh, You keep inviting me down to play games, and it has never worked out, but we're going to keep asking, and someday it will. Uh, But Jimmy, buddy, it's glad to finally, or I'm happy to finally get you on the mics on the air and get to talk to you. So say hello to everyone. Very happy to be here. It's funny actually being able to speak back to you because when I watch watch on Twitch or or, uh, watch you play video games, I can type to you, but I don't actually get to speak back to you. It is a very different experience. Uh, I'm generally a a, a disappointment to most people, so I completely understand uh, if you feel that way. Uh, But it is nice again to finally get you on the mics and get the chance to talk to you. Uh, You're in our Discord. And again, if you want, it's kind of a worst kept secret, but if you want to review stuff for us, pretty easy to do. Uh, You just got to show some interest and uh, do a good job when you did both of those things. So before, since again, since you're new to the show, no one else other than I probably with at least within the RPG Academy family, uh, have talked to you before. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to me in the audience. Who are you as a gamer? Who are you as a person? What should I know about Jimmy before I care about your opinions on this particular thing? Well, as far as RPG goes, the very first RPG I ever had uh, experience with seeing was Dungeon and Dra- Dungeons and Dragons when I was mm-hmm. a teenager. A couple of guys that were real good friends of mine went to church camp and came back playing D&D. Uh, before I had a chance to play it, one of them, Brent, actually owned several other RPGs, and one of them was Top Secret, the original okay. Top Secret from TSR. You remember that? I never played it, but I, again, I'm, I think we're close to the same age, so I kind of okay. had like, I had friends who knew that game, but I don't think I've ever actually seen a physical copy of it, but it's, yeah, it's the spy James Bond-ish exactly. exactly. role-playing game. That was the very first RPG I ever sat down to play and uh, and had a lot of fun with it. We actually played a module from Dungeon magazine it's amazing how much of this stuff you remember i'm 56 years old and we're talking 42 years ago probably (laughs) it's amazing how much of the details you remember but it was uh jaded temple was the name of the module that we ran that he ran from dungeon magazine uh but we went on from that to uh uh, lords of creation and i did get to play some ad and d i had a cavalier character ad and d and uh, there's four of us from high school. I was the oldest, but I was the last one to kind of come into the group, mm-hmm. uh, got invited in. And we played for years and we still get together. Every, we try to get to, together every other Thursday night. And uh, the last thing we've been doing is Spirit of 77. Oh, nice. That, and it's a lot of fun. For about two and a half years, though, a few years ago, we had a five player game of uh star wars role-playing game the one from fantasy flight okay yeah i was running that game with our son my son and then our four my uh other three friends five of Mm. us total nice fantastic yeah and uh gaming wise i gotta i gotta mention this because since since i use the name the moniker jimmy logan online most people know me from mad hat i don't know if you've ever Heard, seen that name, or seen me mention that, but it's Mid South Auto Gunner, Auto Duelists, and Handgunners Attack Team is where we got the Okay, we were we were playing Car Wars. Have you ever played yes. that? I have not. Okay, that's 
it's kind of been replaced in my mind with Gaslands. Uh, but, I'm, again, but, I've never played that, but I'm familiar. Some people ran it at Catacon, so I've seen okay. some of the setups. It's real cool because you get to take Hot Wheels and Matchbox and put guns on them and <laughs> paint them up and all this stuff. It's a lot of fun. But most of the people on the internet that know me as Jimmy Logan know me from running Car Wars games. Mm -hmm. I think I'm up to the 78th play-by-email Car Wars game oh. uh, that I started years and years ago. So. Wow. And now I'm running Gaslands. Uh, we do it. On, we do it via Slack, which is similar to Discord. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's. I think it's a little more, little little easier to run a game like that on Slack because you don't have all of the other pop ups and distractions from Discord. Fair, fair enough. I, I was on Slack for a while. I think we even had an RPG Academy Slack for a while, and some of the other podcasts that I follow. If you were a patron of theirs, you got access to their Slack. And so I did that for a little while, but I, the user interface just didn't work as well for me. I also think it was something that was blocked at work. <laughs> so, so, so that was another reason why I just didn't become attached well, I'm, to it. I'm kind of the opposite. Discord is blocked at work, but Slack yeah. is not. So, so I, I can use it, in my current workplace, yes, I agree it's blocked, but um, I, this is completely irrelevant to the conversation we're about to have, but I use my personal laptop a lot in conjunction with my work computer uh, for the podcast stuff that I do for them. So mm -hmm. I like, like tonight we're recording a podcast at my house. I will send that through my Google drive and I will actually edit this tomorrow while I'm at work. Okay. That sometimes that process is a little bit uh, stutter step. So I you've almost always have my laptop open next to my desktop while I'm at work so I can access it there. So technically yeah. I could with Slack as well, but I've just, I've, I'm all in on Discord at this point. Right. I don't think there's any going back. No, I get that. There I get go. that totally. The only other thing I want to mention personally, I do have two sons mm. and they each have a son apiece. So I'm oh. a father and a grandfather and uh, been happily married for, <laughs> she's looking at me like, you better remember how many years. <laughs> We got, we got married 86. We started dating at 83. So we've been together for a long time and, uh, uh it's been great. Yeah. Uh, but we, we, uh, we've been married a long time. And like I said, have kids and grandkids and still a gamer. I do more board games now than I do role-playing and miniatures games, but, uh, but we still do a little bit of all of it. Uh, very active in church. I do have a, a blog that I would like to plug. Sure. It's jimmylogan.substack.com. Okay. And I can a, put that in the show notes, make it easy for people yeah. to find you. Please do. That's what I'm, that's where most of my writing goes now. I used to be a songwriter for a while, nothing professional, but I, I did a lot of songwriting and had somebody ask me not long ago, do I still write? And I said, yes, but not music. <laughs> Nice. But again, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Again, you, you are actually older than me, which to be honest is kind of rare. Like I'm generally the oldest in the room when I'm talking with folks. Um, but similar, started playing. I think I was in grade school, like late grade school before high school and I started playing. Still hang out. Rec even recently got back into some of my original good friends that we played. Um, been married again. I dated my wife. We, we dated six years before we got married and we've been together 25 years. So we've been nice. together 31 years at this point, uh, which is a long time, but we still love each other. We get along. She's my best friend. Um, so I'm very lucky that way. Now, and I know that doesn't work for everybody, but it's worked well for me, but she doesn't game at all. That's the one thing. Like we, our hobbies are completely separate, but we make it work. But we are here tonight to talk about Tales from the Loop. 
So my first question is, is in general, are you familiar with Tales from the Loop and the original source material? Because it was basically based on this Swedish artist who just, it, it had nothing to do with a game. It was just, he created art set in a fictionalized 1980s that had sort of a pseudoscience bent to it, where it's like, you know, I think in the 60s, there had been like this uh, creation or 50s of this hyperloop that kind of upped the technology, but then it didn't quite work. So it's like a weird Reagan Cold Era or Cold War era, but there's like these old robots that are kind of run down. There used to be these flying ships and most of them don't work anymore. It also kind of fits the vibe of like Stranger Things, the TV show, Mm -hmm. if you or Mm -hmm. anyone's familiar but Stranger Things is like our 80s, but supernatural. This is like not our 80s with, with technology. It's not right. supernatural, but there's this weird technology bent of it. So my first one, are you familiar with that artist? Were you familiar with any of that before you got into the game situation? Only from the TV show. When I okay. saw yes. the TV show. There, yeah, there's a TV show right. that I think is technically based off the role-playing game, if I'm not uh, sure. No, I don't believe so. I don't okay. believe so because the... the um, the whole story of the television show, without without diving too deep into that, they call the center of their loop, their, um, uh, what's it called, uh, like the Hadron Collider, the giant mm-hmm. collider, whatever, yeah. the, whatever the actual term is there. I, I work in IT. I don't work in, <laughs> in <laughs> physics. Um, but there's, they call it the eclipse, which is the heart of theirs. That is nowhere in the game. Okay, okay. The setting of it is nowhere in the game. So I don't believe that that the TV show is based on the game. And the TV show came out several years ago. I'm not sure when the game actually came out. Um, um, but, I, I'm not sure. That, I know this was, well, I'm going to say I'm, I know as if I do know. I think that this is one of the first games, because like Free League now is like kind of known for their IP mm-hmm. and how they take mm-hmm. established IP and make really good games out of it. This is one of the first that I'm familiar with. This is kind of what put Free League on the map, at least for me okay. as a gamer. So I don't know if it was actually their first or their first big one, maybe their first big U.S. But to me, this is kind of where I, I associate Free League and Tales from Loop is like starting together. But I don't know if that's actually true. Well, when I went to their website just to see what else they had, I was actually surprised. I didn't realize this. I, I had heard of the Alien RPG, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anything about it. And I knew there was a Walking Dead and a Lord of the Rings. But again, didn't know who the company was, and I was kind of surprised to see that this was the same company. Mm-hmm. But uh, from what you're telling me, though, it sounds like Tales from the Loop came first. I believe, you know, I could be completely okay. wrong. Uh, I'm, I could fact check myself right now, but I'm not going to. If, you do, if I'm wrong, <laughs> you tell me. Email the show, therpgacademy.com. Uh, it probably would be uh, remiss if I didn't say that it's Simon Stallenhag, and I may be mispronouncing the last name. That is the artist that the mm-hmm. game sort of world is based off of. So Simon is sort of the, I, I mentioned artist, but I didn't say the name. And I, and I do like his artwork. Uh, yeah, I, it's I, very evocative and powerful. It is. I wasn't familiar with it whatsoever until I had seen the show. Mm-hmm. And then after watching the show, I went and did a little, just like we geeks do, we go and look for more information on sure. it. And, uh, and when I saw the, the artwork, I realized that since the artwork came first, they actually duplicated the art for the television show, they actually duplicated the feel of it mm-hmm. very, very well, I thought. So the Tales from the Loop game uh, is based on the Year Zero engine, which most right. of their games use a version of that engine. I think Dragon Bane doesn't, but that's because it's a basically a recreation of, an, of a previous game. But most of the Free League stuff uses the, the Year Zero engine, uh, which, you know, characters have various attributes 
Uh, that's going to determine your die pool, and you're just looking for a single six in most cases. So you might roll four d6 to try to do a thing. As long as at least one of them is a six, you are successful. This one in particular, you play kids. I think they were actually referred to as kids, mm-hmm. and they are solving mysteries. So you are that is that is the sort of the terminology that they use, and some of the characteristics of, of the story is that kids can be put in danger. The kids will not actually be harmed. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously DMs can do whatever the heck they want, but the the world that it exists in, kids are going to have problems, are going to have stress and drama with parents and teachers and, you know, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend or requited, unrequited loves and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, none of your characters are going to come to serious physical harm unless you're playing kind of outside the box. And that was all new to me, the, old, the whole uh, zero... Uh, what'd you call it again? I think uh, it's called the year zero engine. Year I zero, think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That year zero engine was new to me. So I had to really look into that and, and I didn't have a chance to play this with anybody, Sure. Uh, but I, but I went through the motions basically in my mind of how to do that. And it was, it was interesting. It was not like anything. I'd always played a pass fail system, mm-hmm. which, you know, any D 20 system is a pass fail. And even back in the old top secret days that used a percentile but it was still pass fail. And yep. so this, this using looking for sixes was new to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, this might be my first experience with that system as well. But so, so again, so that's what the game is a whole, but we are going to take a look specifically at the starter set. So this is a separate product that you can get. I'm a big fan of starter sets in general. I think free league particularly does starter sets very well. Uh, but also note, this is the digital version. Uh, I was not able to get a physical copy. Free League did provide this to us, but it's a digital version. So you also, you have access to all the digital files, but you didn't physically get to roll the dice that come in the box. You didn't get to physically look at the maps. Correct. So my first question is, what all comes in the starter set? So if you could kind of walk us through what what you're going to see if you open that box. Absolutely, yes. And like a typical starter set box, which I have had my hands on a few over the years, like a typical starter set, it's not a full comprehensive rule book. It is very much a, um, I hate to use the term watered down because it still had all of the rules, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, you know, a hundred pages of, right. of setting. Uh, it was, I think it was right at 32 pages mm-hmm. uh, for the rule book. And it was, it was laid out in such a way that you first start reading, it introduces you to the world. I, I thought that was really well done. Rather than jumping into mechanics or jumping into the, the how or the why in the background, it, it, it launched you into the game setting, mm-hmm. which I think a good role-playing game should do. Uh, but it, it had, um, it had a, the 32-page rule book. And there was a map, and I'm assuming when you get the starter box, if you get the physical copy, it's a big fold-out map. I believe you're right, yes. That was very, very nicely done. The, the artwork on that uh, shows, one side shows the Switzerland facility, and mm-hmm. the other side shows an alternate one where you can play in, in America. And just as a side note, it's, according to the book if you play the americanized when it takes place in i believe it's mercer ohio whereas the television show they never actually told you where it was so okay. i don't know i don't know how that how that plays in but yeah. again we're not talking about the television show right. yeah i think either in the, the the actual uh full rule book which i do have physical i bought myself and then i was given a digital copy by by free league i think it even says 
that you, like I said, you set it in your own hotel. Like if you're playing mm-hmm. with your buddies mm-hmm. or, you know, your family, your friends, or whatever, you can just set it in your town. And then that you can use your reference, your grocery store and your high school uh, kind of setting that as well. I actually think Boulder, Nevada, Boulder City, Nevada oh, is where right. the U.S. Right. is based. Boulder City, Nevada. You're right. Yeah, I, actually, if I, I think the Mercer might have been in the show because I've also heard that before, but okay. I, I okay. could be wrong. All right, so we got the uh, not not what I don't like um, maybe a minimalist rule book. It, it covers everything you need to know to run the session that is included. Yes, uh, we have a big foldout map. I believe in the physical version you do get dice as well. You get a, a set of like they're just d sixes, but they're you know colored and they have well, and they orange. have the according to the picture in the book they have the logo of the facility. I forget okay. what the facility is called, but they have the the logo. I've got it in my notes here if I can find it. Resenergy. Maybe that's maybe it's pronounced Resenergy. I think this is them. That's it. Yeah. So in addition to the dice, um, there is an adventure. Yes. Right. So again, we're not no spoilers, but you can give me an overview of of what you thought of it, uh, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, I hope the title of the adventure would not be or the the mystery would not be a spoiler. Uh, It's called The Recycled Boy. And that's really all the players know. That's just the name of it. And Reading through it, again, I didn't have a chance to actually play this or to GM this for anybody, but reading through it, they put enough detail in it that you would have to use the dice system to be able to succeed at things. Mm -hmm. They gave enough background information so that the GM would be able to, as we know from from GMing all these years, how you have to make things up on the fly. They gave enough background that you could do that. It is not 100% railroady, but in typical starter box fashion, there are two to three locations that you are expected to go to. Yeah. And there's nice, there's nice little maps and diagrams of those locations. So you can, you can use those if you want to. Right. Um, one thing that I thought was, was very nice is some handouts that you can actually hand to the players. And if you have the, the PDF, it tells you you can download them and print out, mm-hmm. or you could actually, if you have the starter set, you could actually just hand it to them. But there's little handouts that I think anything like that that you can use to add another depth of, of play at the table, mm-hmm. you know, really, really is highlighted with this. Uh, and I'll just mention again, it's, it's very common for starter sets. Um, they're, they're written and designed for new groups of players, mm-hmm. which includes the DM. So often those adventures are, again, I, I don't think railroad is the right word because I, I don't, at least I personally don't connotate railroad is bad. I know some people do. I think if it's done well, railroad is great, mm-hmm. but it's linear. Like it's, yes, it's, yes. it's we, we want to give our, our new GM who might be running the game for the first time, some training wheels to help them not get overwhelmed with like, I got to make right. up an entire world. It's like, really, I just got to make sure they go to one of these three places, uh, maybe at least two of the three before we get to the the final and it's also made for like a one session yes Uh, so like three four hours tops that you're going to be playing here i I think that's standard like that's not positive or negative that's just what you should expect from a starter adventure Mm -hmm. and i think Uh, that's good too and i guess this is more of a comment about starter sets in general if it if it lasts too long and you have to break it up over two sessions you're going to lose stuff when you mm -hmm. you bring people back in or the same people may not can come back i think it's great you don't want to do it in 30 minutes because then people feel, you know, feel cheated. Right. But if you, if you have two to four hours and, and you can do that as a brand new group, like you say, 
and it still gives you time at the end of it to kind of take a breath and talk about what you just went through and, mm-hmm. and people decide if they really want to play the game some more or not. So, right, right. Yep. I think, you know, I think it does. So, um, again, without any spoilers, but do you think it's a fun adventure? Like as someone who's ran lots of games, I think it would be my, my big, and, and this is, this is totally personal observation on my part. Again, I'm 56 years old. It's a little hard for me to put myself in that position of a 14 year old kid on a bike. That was a long Um, time ago for some of us. Yes, it was. We didn't have cell phones when I was, when I was a 14 year old kid on a bike. Nope. So it, in that respect, it would be, I think it would be fun to run, but I would definitely have to take myself out of the world I'm in now and inject myself into that more so than, than any other. When I've run Star Wars, we're still people in a Star Wars setting. Mm-hmm. You know, when I've run Top Secret, for example, we're still human beings. We're just, we have guns and we're trying to do spy stuff. Right. Being a 14-year-old kid on a bike would, would really be a stretch for me. Um, but to give you the simple answer, I think it is a fun enough av- adventure or mystery that it would keep the interest of the players and the GM and would give a very good example of how the game would go so that they can decide then if they want to continue with it. Right. And, and that's, that's its job in that sense. Exactly. Situation. Exactly. And I think it does that well. It's hard for me to just give you a flat out. Oh yes, this would be a fun adventure and mm. that, Again, but that's all on that's on yeah. me, not the game. <laughs> Fair enough. You're the one I'm asking, so I'm I'm asking for your opinion. And then I and a good could be wrong. Please let me know if I am. But I think the only other main component is we do get a set of pre-generated characters. That is correct. Yes. Again, these are kids by the nomenclature of the game, and they're kind of based on like broad stereotypes. You have your jock, you have your loner, you have I don't know exactly right. what all the names are, but but they kind of fall on the street. Think Breakfast Club, and you at least be close. Mm-hmm. So any thoughts on the pregens as they were created and, and, and presented for you? Um, and then we can also talk a little bit about like how you would put together a role if, if you're ready for that. Like, I know we talked high level, but if you want to give sort of an example of this is the sort of thing a GM would ask for, this is how a player would put together a dice pool, kind of walk me through what that would look like. Okay, sure. Yes, the characters that come with it, they are designed for this particular mystery. And it's best if you can use them all. And it actually tells you if you only have X number of players, use these characters first. And the reason for that is there's some things that are in the mystery and there are some things that are on the character sheets that help tie the kids together sure. so that you're not just, everybody's not just a lone wolf. Mm-hmm. And you, you use the term breakfast club. I would have said Goonies. Oh, okay. Because these are, these are a group of kids that go to the same school and Breakfast Club to me is is um, not that that's a bad example, but that's kids from different backgrounds thrown into one thing. This assumes that all the kids pretty much know each other. Gotcha. They all have a tie with each other. Yeah, fair enough. Plus, I love Goonies. It's a great movie. I'm not. I was. I liked it. Okay, but I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna lose some cred here. <laughs> My buddies always talked about how good Big Trouble in Little, Little China was. I, I finally watched it three movie. years ago, and I just didn't care for it. <laughs> You know, I, again, I would say the same thing as like Princess Bride. Like, I think the Princess Bride is one of the best movies ever made. But if you were to watch it today for the first time, I don't know that it connects. I think it's a movie you have to watch as a kid. And I kind of feel like yeah. Goonies and Big Trouble is kind of the same way. 
If you don't watch it at the right time, it doesn't connect with you that way. Exactly. Had I seen Big Trouble in Little China when I was a teenager, I probably would have loved it. Just like I loved Escape from New York. Mm -hmm. Today, if I watched it, I'd probably be, what am I watching? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I, I completely understand. And it's okay that you're wrong about that. <laughs> You sound just like my other friends. <laughs> <laughs> Who are get, Let's get them on here. Let's get their opinions. All right. right. Oh, let's see. All right. So we pulled up one of the characters. So we're looking at uh, Maria. Her type is just regular kid. And she has some attributes uh, and some skills. And then she has conditions. And I believe conditions are, are like the equivalent of hit points. Like when something bad happens, they take a condition. Correct. And that condition can, I think uh, it, it escalates. So you started upset, then you become scared, then you become exhausted, then you become injured, and finally you become broken, uh, which would, again, has mechanical effects to how you build other dice. Actually, one clarification there. You, you don't actually, they're not a, an increasing scale. Okay, they're not sequential. They just sort of like That's happen correct. based on the failure. You might, you might fail something that would make you upset, or you might fail something like you're doing a check, you're trying to get away from a dog that's chasing you and you're on your bike and you're trying to race away before his chain, uh, before he, you're trying to race away to the point to where he runs out of chain and can't sure, sure. touch you. You might succeed, but you get a condition and the most likely one there would be exhausted. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Then. But broken um, is once you've done all the others, then you're just that that's the equivalent of zero hit points in a, mm -hmm. in a hit point game. And again, in this game, your character can't die, but that doesn't mean, they can't take some negative consequences. Exactly. You have relationships uh, in, in the, these pregens. Those are already filled in for you, as you were sort of saying, like the characters kind of already know each other. So they already have relationships built between them. Uh, you have an iconic item. So each character has that particular thing. And I believe they can use it like once a mystery for a bonus. If they like talk about how they use their skateboard or their Walkman or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Maria is it as a makeup box. Uh, there are some skills. Most of these are blank. Others have uh, numerical value. So attributes, the numerical value is anywhere from one to five. And in their skills, it's one to three. I don't know if that's the minimal, maximum all the time. But so my understanding, let's say that uh, we need Maria to uh, stand up to a bully mm -hmm. that's, that's about to hurt her or one of her friends. We would decide, the gym would decide, is this a body, a tech, a heart, or mind? And let's use that for an example. She's about okay. to stand up to a bully and the bully is picking on her. So we're going to have her use body because it's her physical prowess that okay. she's trying to stand up to him, maybe to take the hit or maybe to dodge out of the way or something okay. like that. And assuming she has no condition like upset or, or scared, she would not lose any dice from that. And looking at her skills, she does have move, mm -hmm. which there's some details in the book that would explain how that works. But sure. in our in our example, she might have the the move. You would say you and I might say she's going to uh, juke and dodge out of the right. way. So he's going to try to punch her, and she's going to try to duck out of the way. So she would roll her three dice plus the one for body, and that would be four. And she needs at least one six, six. as you had said before, to to have a success. Now, if somebody's picking on uh, her friend Tina, for example. And that's not one of the characters. I'm just making up the name. Somebody's picking on Tina and she wants to step in. She may not be doing it as a physical person trying to stop the attack. So you would look at heart 
because mm-hmm. she's actually being empathetic towards somebody else. So she would actually have a better chance of success. Now, the GM might say that that she might ha- need to have two successes in this case to actually succeed. So she would need to roll two sixes mm-hmm. or more. So that is pretty rare though, right? My understanding is that generally speaking, most things only require one six. It's only in Most certain things only require one. Right. Uh, in this particular adventure, again, with no spoilers, in this particular adventure, there are some specific, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with the starter set, introducing you to different aspects of the game. There are some specific antagonists that you would need to roll more than one six sure. to succeed against. So in, in, your, go- in your Goonies uh, analogy, this would be like the Fratellis at the end. Exactly. Like, like, your, like your main bad guys or main opposition might require right. two, where just the general getting place, outrun the dog, probably would be like a one. Most Those would be a one, exactly. And you might even get some bonuses based on something. And, and what I was going to say, too, with her makeup kit, if she really felt like she needed to use that, uh, she could always open up her makeup kit and use the mirror to flash in the bad guy's eyes to... Mm-hmm. <laughs> to use as an advantage. Right. Find some way to, to utilize that. Exactly. I do like the fact that that when it does describe all these things, it's not just a static or a numeric. Okay, you can take a bonus. Okay, you can take a you take a plus for this and you take a minus for this. Now roll the dice and let's see what happens. It does encourage the uh, imagination in that right. respect. Uh, you know, if, if it wasn't already clear that we have uh, the artist Simon's art throughout the booklets, I believe. Like there's pieces of this art. I know it is in the core rule book. It's all over the place. In the starter set, do we have examples of the artwork just intermixed in there as well? We do. Yes, we do. And that is, I mentioned it was a 32-page rule book. Mm-hmm. There's not 32 pages worth of hard text. Sure. And I actually like that because there's, there's different parts of the book where there's a, a two-page spread of artwork with some text on like the lower third. It's, okay. it's enough to, as you're, re, as you're looking at the picture and reading the text, you actually get the feel for the setting. Yeah. And I, I believe that works. There's also a lot of artwork interspersed in the book that will have the logo, mm-hmm. like, the, the, like this on the D6s. Okay. It'll have that logo there. And I thought that was a very good inclusion mm-hmm. as well. I mean, obviously this artwork is, is evocative. It's so evocative that someone's like, I want to make a game out of that. So yes. having those pieces there to either share with your players or just you as the GM when you're preparing the adventure, just to have that constant reminder of this yes. is what the world we're living in. And so the, and the last thing I wanted to ask, I'll give you a chance to give some final thoughts and then we'll get to our rating. Uh, and we, we kind of covered it in general, but I want to pull it out specifically because the book pulls it out specifically, is that there are six primary principles for this game that kind of like wants you to have in mind, both you as the GM and the players to help to kind of help settle you in that mind of a 14 year old kid, mm-hmm. but also a 14 year old kid in this world. Would you mind going over those six like statements for me? Sure. I'd be glad to. The, uh, your hometown is full of fantastic things and we couldn't leave it at that, or I'd be glad to elaborate on that, but it's very simply put your hometown is not just, regardless of the setting, whether you're playing this in Switzerland or you're playing it in Boulder City, Colorado, or your own hometown, it's full of fantastic things. But these are things that everybody is used to. Like you mentioned, robots working, airships, like, yeah. So it's not your version of the 80s. This is fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. So your, your, your hometown is full of these things. The main point there is when you stumble across something, it shouldn't be 
it shouldn't derail anything to do with the mystery or anything. It's just part of it. If you happen to find this device that does something cool, that's okay. You just found a device that does something cool. Number two, everyday life is dull and unforgiving. That was a hard one for me to swallow. But (laughs) again, that's getting into that 14 year old, no cell phone on your bike mindset. And the TV show, if I can interject something here, there's snow just about on every scene on the television show. And I'm assuming in Switzerland, it's expected to be probably snow everywhere too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just seems I would have added cold, dull, unforgiving mm-hmm. and cold. And cold. <laughs> yeah. And I like to think that again, the, the, the key here for me is that it's everyday life, which means this mystery is not every day. Like, that's part True. of the reason why they're willing to do this mystery is because their regular life is boring and like they just go to school they do their grades you know it's like that's nothing but all of a sudden there's this robot that's like not killing people but there's a, a robot that's malfunctioned right. and causing chaos well that's interesting that's exciting to me so i want to get involved with it. i think that's more for like what your life would be if you weren't doing this mystery type of right thing. right that's a good point and and to equate it to stranger things which you mentioned earlier it's kind of like if you take the supernatural aspect out of it we don't actually see them in school very much on Stranger Things because that's pretty dull and un- and right. that's yeah, just... We spend time looking at the cool stuff. Exactly. You know? And they talk about like, I don't want to go to school, which I mean, I guess that when they do have like their AV club stuff is kind of fun. They have the one teacher, but for the most part, they want school to be over so they can get to the fun stuff, yeah. which is certainly my experience being a 14 year old kid. I was like, as soon as school's over, I was on my bike with my buddies and we were you know, going up in the woods. Like that was my adventure. School was just some boring crap I had to get through. The best part about school when I hit uh, junior high was when I found out about graph paper. And then I, could oh, I thought you were going to say girls, but yeah, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to number three. <laughs> number three, adults are out of reach and out of touch. Yeah. And I took that to be, to be a little deeper too. They're out of reach because they're not just a cell phone away mm-hmm. and they have their own, they have their own boring, dull, uninteresting, unforgiving lives at work, but also they're out of touch. Uh, it, it, it made me think of on uh, peanuts on uh, mm. Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I felt like that was the bulk of the, of the, of the adult uh, side of it. And again, I think this fits the sort of the theme of these types of games and Goonies is another touch point. You can't just call a parent or even like the sheriff be like, Oh, like this is going on. You need to fix it. That's not an option for these kids in this mystery. If you're involved, you have to be the one that solves it. Right. Uh, so, because otherwise, if you if you think about it, again, that's what we would do. Like, you know, if, if I personally got involved in a, in a mystery tonight, I'm gonna be like, I gotta call the police because I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> but and if I'm playing D and D, my character is the one that's going to go into the dungeon and fight the dragon, right? Exactly. That exactly. that's the equivalent of that. You can't just call. You can call your friends to help you, mm-hmm. but you can't call your dad or your mom or your caregiver or your of the cop. So the, the game just wants you to think about that. Like you don't have adult resources to help you because otherwise that would be a silly end to like, okay, we're just gonna call the cops when we're done. No, you are the one, you're the one solving it. Exactly, exactly. Moving on, number four. Mysteries are dangerous, but kids will not die. Yep, we touched on that, but it get, that's built into the system. Bad things happen, but you're not gonna die. Right. Because that's not the type of story we're telling. Exactly. 
Uh, number five, the game is played scene by scene. I think this is an interesting one. I think this is here for people who've never really role played before to kind of help explain how the game works. I took it to be the same thing where when you when you go into a scene, you and I, we played role playing games most of our lives. So we know what a scene is and we mm-hmm. know what a, a session is and we know what a campaign is. I think you're right. I think for somebody brand new to the whole paradigm, this this is you play a scene. And I think I think you would picture that in your mind, like a scene from a book or a scene from a TV show or movie. Yeah. And and I, I do think it helps put you in that in that frame of mind. Yep, I agree. And then and number, number six. six, and I love this one. And I've, I've, I've to preface this, I told you I did a lot of RPG with uh, Star Wars with the Fantasy Flight system. I love collaborative storytelling, and this says the world is described collaboratively. And it actually goes into that in the book and talks about that the players who are playing the kids have just as much right and expectation to describe something in the game as the GM does. So it's not a, I think they're, I think they're telling the group, this is not a choose your path adventure. Mm -hmm. This is a, we're building this world together. Yeah. And I also, I think this is good, even maybe for someone like from my generation or from experienced gamer, that there, there are games that are not collaborative in that way, where, you know, you collaboratively make your character But when it comes to the adventure, the GM has all the information. They have what's behind every door. They have everybody's name. They have every solution, every puzzle. Either they actually have it or they make it up at the moment. But it is very much a process where it's of discovery and the players discover the world behind the DM screen. Mm -hmm. There's a different type of game that this falls into where that's not the case. And it's built in that the, the players can say, hey, let's go to this this person I know, or oh, don't forget about the roller rink or don't forget about, you know, the slumber party tonight. Maybe that's where blank could happen. That's all built in that. That's totally fine for the game exactly. to unfold that way. And if that's not what you're used to, that is how this game works. Yes. Yes. And I have GM people before who don't want to make up anything. Yep. And, and I'm not running down people at all, but there are that different game style, gamer style. Yep. where they don't they just want to be presented with the options and make the choice and then i've played with people who will take over not take over that's a bad that was a bad choice of words but i've played with people who will gladly jump in and describe things and and add to the scene and i've heard you say this before on the show the answer to is there a chandelier is always yes yep and I think that there shouldn't even be a question of, is there a chandelier? It should just be, well, there's a chandelier up there. I want to do X with mm-hmm. yep. so. yeah. Again, I have played both. I can have fun in both. I prefer the collaborative, both as a player and as a DMGM. But I do understand and respect that not everyone feels that way. Uh, as I say, there's no wrong way to play. Um, well, should say there's no right way to play, but there are wrong ways. <laughs> but if that's what you enjoy, you're not wrong for wanting to enjoy that, but you may have conflicting expectations. So that's just, again, part of session zero. Ding, take the drink. Uh, oh, yeah. So that everyone's on the same page before you get started. So this was already longer than I had expected this episode to be, but I've had a <laughs> great time talking to you. But I think we need to get to the point here. Overall, how would you rate this starter set in terms of what it needs to do, introduce this new world, to a new group of players, give them a chance to play, give them a chance to explore this world, and then set them on a journey. So we usually go by the rating scale of A+, means this is the best thing ever, this has changed your life, 
you may never play another game again, all the way to C minus where it functional, but doesn't inspire anything from you. So C minus is as low as we would go. A plus as high as you can go. Where would you say this falls for you? I would put this one at a strong B plus. Okay. It, it's not quite an A just to, just to clarify what I mean by that. It's not quite an A for me because of the whole 14 year old on a bike mm -hmm. that makes it harder for me. The game system seems solid. The, okay. the year zero system is very solid. It's different than anything I've ever done, but that's okay. It's, it's, we like to have different experiences like that in our games. I think the system is super solid. I think the starter set, and I wouldn't say this about every starter set I've ever opened and read and used, sure. but I believe this starter set could be used on its own without the full rule book for quite a while. Okay. Maybe not for a year long campaign, but for you could make up a quick adventure and still use these same characters. And I think that says a lot for a, mm -hmm. for a starter set. So the only thing that keeps it from being an A is, is my personal uh, inability to, to really inject myself into it. So okay. very strong B plus. Yeah, and it's totally fair again. It, it is, it is a subjective opinion. Uh, anyone who's listening, who may think that's not an obstacle for them, then keep that in mind that your personal rating might fluctuate up or down. So obviously, well, again, I want to thank Free League for giving us access to these digital files so that we could do this uh, review. Obviously, thank you, Jimmy, very much for taking the time to dive in and, and giving it a thorough review or overview so that we could do the review. So where can people find you if someone wants to yell at you for being wrong or tell you that they agree with you for being right? Uh, it, do you have social media? Where should people go if they want to interact with you? I, I do social media, but very little. I am Jimmy Logan which is very simple, just Jimmy Logan on Twitter. I am, if you go to Facebook and find me, it's actually Jimmy Anderson. But a long time ago, I set up that Facebook shortcut so that it's facebook.com slash Jimmy Logan. That gotcha. will, that will reach me there. But again, my blog, jimmylogan.substack.com. My email address, I'll be glad to put that on here too, sure. if that's okay. It's jimmylogan0916 at gmail.com. Uh, I'd be glad to take any, any emails from anybody and discuss it further and let them tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully politely. That's right. Yeah. If not, it wouldn't be the first time somebody was impolite. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Yeah. True. I, I've been called worse by better, as I like to say. So of course, with myself, you can find me at the RPG Academy. Uh, I am still on Twitter, but I check it like once a month. I don't really plan on being there much longer. Blue Sky, I'm more active, but still not a lot. I'm basically on Discord these days. I love our Discord community. It's my favorite corner of the internet. Uh, you can join me there just by asking for an invite. We do have the Facebook page. Uh, most things I post, I will post there. But emailing me might be the easiest way to get my attention, uh, the RPG Academy at Gmail. Or you can also leave comments on these episodes on our website. So if you go to the rpgacademy.com, we post everything there. There is a way to like leave a comment on those and I get notifications of those. But uh, however you want to get a hold of me would be fine. I go to a lot of conventions. I'm going to be going to a lot this year. So if you send me at a convention, that might be a way to find me as well. Uh, and just a reminder, we like to review lots of stuff. It's great when people give us free stuff. Makes it really easy to, to review it, but that's not required. If you have something that you have written, created, or just something you love that you're like, hey, I wish more people knew about this, get in contact, let me know. I cannot make any promises, but uh, we will certainly take those requests seriously. Uh, and we would love to get some more like third-party, non 
big company content on here so that we can help people find some hidden gems in the world. So if you think you have one of those, either you create or you just love, please let us know when we'll be in contact. Uh, and then we will just say, as we always do, as we wrap up the show tonight, is remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.